Who was here this morning? Kind of had our makeshift altar with our rocks and our wood and our even our makeshift fire. I mentioned uh, something to Ed that I wanted to mention to all of you. Hope and trust that you are responsible to the Lord and that you placed on that altar what he would have you to place. Who placed something or a number of things on the altar? Remember I told you, remember I said I hate baked beans. Remember? So for me to place baked beans as a sacrifice was ridiculous. God goes for those things that are very dear. Now, who placed very dear, sincere, honest things on the altar before the Lord? Keep your hands up for a minute because you know what I'm looking for. I'm looking to see if your hands are already black and charred. You put it on the altar. We don't take any time to do what? Take it back. As soon as it starts to get burning up, we're like, oh, no, no. i got to take it back. Don't do that. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. So do that. Now, tonight, pastor has many, I guess, I don't even want to call them hats or jobs, I suppose you could say. He needs to feed his sheep, at times protect his sheep, care for them, warn them, rebuke them, all various things. And this one kind of falls under the preparing. Okay, now you should be well prepared, but lots of times we are not. Now our nation, we'll pray in a minute. You can just stand for a little bit. Remember what our nation was going through at the tail end of 08 and the beginning of 09? And you swear the sky was falling. Life was over. Everything was coming to an end. Now here we are halfway through. 09, stock market seems to have somewhat, I mean, it's lost a bunch. I don't have a dollar in the stock market, yet I find myself watching it every day back then at the end of 08, the beginning of 09, thinking, oh my gosh, what's going on? And then now we're kind of like hmm, adjusting, you know, Remember how it was? Remember when sugar was, you could almost get it for like 50 cents for five, and then it goes up to five dollars. You're like, ah. and now if you find it for five dollars, you're going, oh, it's a deal. You kind of adjust to things. Well, the, the preparation I want to give you tonight is look, this thing is not over. I mean, you are and should be ready for the coming of the Lord. Okay? And God warns us whether you like it or not, and most of us don't like it, of the demise and the fall of things. Okay? And if we get caught up in them things, then we lose the purpose of why we're here. We lose the focus. The enemy comes along and whaps me upside the head, breaks and knocks my glasses. All of a sudden, all of you are out of focus. It's not as sharp and as clear as it was. And so, seem to have a temporary reprieve right now. I don't know how long it will last, but I do believe there's lots more on its way. And the church cannot lose its focus. 
You cannot lose the purpose and the reason why you're here. And so that's kind of what tonight is going to maybe remind us about and hopefully stir us about. Keep our eyes focused on God, the purpose. Revelations 18.1 simply states, He goes, And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, Babylon the great is fallen. And we're going to look at this Babylon. We're going to look at what I believe is kind of like the world system, situation that we find ourselves in. And we're going to see what God says about it and what our role is in it. <clears throat> now, look, we're going, to, we're going to just simply look at the Word of God and what it says. And as things unfold in life, as they have been unfolding, they can unnerve you. You know, for, for a little bit, anyway, as far as the Christian is concerned, because your, your hope should be based upon the Word of Almighty God, based upon what God has told you and over and over for years to come. And it looks like this is the generation where all this stuff is starting to rapidly unfold. And I mean rapidly. It's, it's amazing what's going on. And so it goes on and says, For the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath, in verse 3. Of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Now, a lot believe that this just has to do with the world system. And all that they consume and their own lusts. And what is America? 25% of the world's, uh, what's that word? They, um, is it 25% of the world's gross national product? Is that what uh, America is? I think they consume... Or, or, or that's where we're at. So when America um, is shook, then the whole world is shook with the, when it comes to economy and stock markets. And remember when uh, Pastor Peter said from uh, Nigeria, remember what he said? He said, when America's economy sneezes, yet their economy gets pneumonia. Yes. When our economy just kind of sneezes. So this is all tied in. And God looks at this time and this Babylon the Great, this system, this money, this gain and greed and everything that has fallen under this. And he goes, there's coming a time. He said that it's all going to come to an end. The merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sin, and that you receive not of her plagues. So God has, for eons and years and years, have told us to come out out of her. Do not get wrapped up in this, because it's all going to come to an end. And so verse 5 says, For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Now, New American Standard Version says this, For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. This system. Now, you have to work and earn wages, but you are of God. Okay? It's kind of like the ark on top of the world system. 
You don't want the water in the ark, or you will sink. You don't want the world system in you, you will sink. You are to be above it, sanctified, living on the Word of God, trusting God, pitched within and pitched without, by the blood of the Lord Jesus. And the ark is the type of Christ where you are saved from the destruction. And so God warns us that there's a time that's coming, this great Babylon is going to fall. And we've seen the, not just some tremors, we've seen some tremendous shaking. I can't quite remember back in those days in September, October, November, and they were saying within an hour, six trillion dollars evaporated from the stock market. Just gone. And, and it's never come back. And then all this unbelievable printing of money and all this stimulus stuff, it's, it's a boomerang right now. You understand? They've gone, it's out there somewhere, and pretty soon you're going to be hearing, it's going to be coming back. Okay, so God is kind of like a, the, the hurricane in the eye. I don't even know if we're in the eye uh, of where it kind of calms down, but this is going to spin out of control, and the church must be in focus. We must stay focused for the reason why God has planted us here in Muskingum County to do our part. When Muskingum County hears it, Coming back around. We have to be standing upon the rock, Christ, by faith. Trusting in the Word and in Jesus only. Because it is coming back around. So it says here their sins have reached to heaven. They have piled up like a tower. And I thought of the Tower of Babel. and You know that story in Genesis. It says, for their sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Revelations 18.6 says, reward her even as she rewarded you. And this is what God's going to do. This is the reward God is going to give those that have stayed in this system. He's going to end double unto her, double according to her works. God's going to double back what she has done. He's going to double it back in grief and judgment and harshness. Okay? This most likely, I would think and thought, I guess would be the better word, that this is going to happen in my children's life, who are now in their mid-30s. But it almost looks like this thing's going to happen in my life. And so, you've got to dial in. A little better. It's no more, Jason. You better have your act together. Now, you better look in the mirror and say, hey, you better have your act together. This is where we're at. I mean, within days. I mean, anytime you could just turn on Fox and there could be all over the news. Just sudden destruction and collapse of everything. Just total way of life to be different. And you have at least... This still, this opportunity to get your feet grounded upon the rock of Christ. We're not taking it serious. We're just not. So, 18.6 says, Double under her, double according to her works. In the cup which shall have filled, fill to her double, God says. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come 
in one day, in one day, death and mourning and famine. She shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord your God who judgeth her. God said, this is going to happen one day. And we know that our God is merciful and continues to give reprieves to us over and over and over because His mercies are renewed every morning. But it doesn't take away from the truth of what's going to happen. And so God says, my children, stay focused. Be ready. Don't be caught unaware. Don't run into panic with the world as they run in panic. Verse 9 says, And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. I mean, every night on the news back when it was really, really horrible, you saw all those poor stockbrokers or their, their hands buried or their face buried in their hands and they're going like this and wondering, What's happening? God told us this was going to happen. God is showing us, in fact, this should even prove the Word of God to you even more. That it's true. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen, purple and silk and scarlet. There's commercials now that they'll tell you, you know, that to buy gold... That's your answer from inflation that's coming. Get gold, gold, buy gold. Do you know in the Word of God what it says? They'll be throwing their gold in the streets. Because it'll be worthless. God says, buy gold, try it of me. And it's the Word of God, so you must stay focused. Don't get caught up in fool's gold. Even though the world says, oh, it's... Almost a thousand dollars an ounce. Well, how much more precious is this? I think Tim Tim said it quite well. I wonder how much Michael Jackson would give for a minute of peace if he died lost. Or Ed McMahon or Farrah Fawcett or Joe DiVincenzo or John Hajar. And so God tells us that these things are going to come and come our way. Verse 14 says, In the fruits that thy soul lusted after departed from thee, and all the things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. I mean, this thing shook so hard that it shook just a little bit of the sports world, which needs to come down and will, that they were thinking, we've got to lower our tickets our prices, and because it's gotten so expensive to go to a game, some of our, our dainties and things we love to do that didn't matter to us, and it's kind of rippled all the way through everything in life right now. So it says, The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas! 
The great city, which was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour, so great riches has come to naught. And every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, the great city wherein we were made rich, all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costless. For in one hour she's made desolate. I think kind of the, the first thing I can remember that happened so fast was the Berlin Wall. I mean, the thing was up since World War II. What was it up? Sixty years? Sixty years. And all of a sudden, it came down. Gone. All of a sudden, God moves and things. Things can seem to see. prod along year after year. Lifetimes. And bam, all of a sudden, it's different. And God tells us that. He's telling us this. Now, all that nice happy news, God tells us this stuff in 2 Timothy 1, 7. Okay? For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. See, there's a reason that God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. Because fear is going to come on the world. And you've seen some of it played out in front of the TV and stock markets and all the various stuff and knee-jerk reactions by our congressmen and fear comes upon them. But God said, I haven't given my people the spirit of fear. God says, I have given you power and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind God has given. Do you understand how awesome that's going to be? Really, every time someone like Michael Jackson um, dies, I was in Farrah Fawcett, died in the hospital right across from my son's work. And he wrote back, how sad. I said, John, wouldn't it be awesome if you just could have sat with them without TV, without anybody knowing, without you wanting something from the poor guy, without wanting money, or an autograph, or his white glove, and you just tell him about Jesus. Wouldn't that have been awesome if you could do that? Because it's so sad when they die. Lost. And the Word of God says to the people of God, God says, I have given you the spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Look at the definition of the sound mind. Restore one to his senses. You understand? When the world starts to spin out of control and goes crazy, I don't go, I told you so. I go, oh, my God, what's going on here? And then i got to get restored to one's senses. Okay, God, you're in control. And this is what God has given us that through his giftings and stuff that he puts in us by the Spirit of God. Look what else it says. To hold one to his duty. 
So you don't run and panic with the rest. And you can reap the harvest at this time of destruction. The story was told, and I've told you before, about when Titanic went down. When it was going down, I mean, you only had minutes when you hit that water, and there was a guy preaching in the water, winning souls before he froze to death. Held on to his duty and didn't panic. That's what the Spirit of God will do in you and I. Those who stay focused, the rest are going to run. They're going to run and panic. But to the people of God, to the true people of God, God said, I will restore you to your senses and I will hold you to your duty when all are panic and running. We call the church a lighthouse. Well, a lighthouse is for those who are caught in the storm of life being tossed so dark. They have no way which is up and down. They can't see. And all of a sudden they catch a light. That's you. And God says, I've put that in. You do not have the spirit of fear, no matter what comes. And more is coming. You understand that. You will not stand before God and say, he never told us. I'm telling you. There will be more coming. When? I don't know. Tomorrow? I don't know. Maybe after I'm gone. It doesn't matter. The idea is you are to be prepared. And you are to have that light going. To those that are in that storm, panicking, lost. This is what God wants us to be, staying focused. Isaiah 11.2 says, And the Spirit of the Lord, now listen to this, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. I'm saying, God, that's what I want. For most of this year, I've been praying, God, I want that wisdom from above. I don't want earthly wisdom, God. Earthly wisdom isn't going to cut it. God, I want that understanding from above. I want that knowledge that only comes from you, God. This scripture is awesome. I'm counting on this scripture that the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon me. Spirit of wisdom. I have things facing me that are overwhelming me in the natural. But when I look at this, I'm saying, you remember that song? I'm counting, I'm counting, I'm counting on you, God. I'm counting on that spirit of wisdom. I'm counting on that understanding. I'm counting on that spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. I'm counting, I'm counting, I'm counting on that, God. I'm counting on it. And God said, I will hold you to your duty.
Don't worry. When you're going, God said, I will hold you. Though the wind come, don't worry. I will hold you. It won't be you. It'll be me. But I will hold you to it. Don't worry. He'll hold you in the midst. And you will be that light. And they'll be coming to you. They'll be reaching out to you. Help me. Stay focused. Isaiah fifty nine nineteen says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and His glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. God uses us as standards. Hebrews 4.14 says, Seeing then that we have this great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Hold fast to it. This should be, listen, this really should be the church's finest hour. It should be. Because all the nonsense that's been going on in church, and all the silliness, all the goofiness, and all the dumbness, is going to be gone in an hour. And it's not going to hold any water. And that which is the true church will be held by God. And they'll see it. And they'll see it. They'll see you. And they will come to you. People are frightened. People are believing that the end is near. Just everything's weird. People on a whole don't know what to do. And remember, I, we made light of it now, but remember when we thought we were going to be opened up to biological warfare and our government who can put people on the moon and drive cars on the moon, hit a golf ball on the moon, and it just sent another thing in space yesterday to be able to give you greater weather warnings and when the pressure was on and they thought various things, smart bombs and stuff might go off, what did they tell us? Duct tape and put plastic on your windows. That was their great instruction to us, their people. People don't know what to do. Jonah. And God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for this gourd? Remember Jonah, the, the prophet, and all that God had to get through to get him to go to Nineveh, to stay focused? And in the heat of the day, he was so being overwhelmed with heat. And out of nowhere, this gourd grows. It's been a big thing. Gave him a shade, relief from the heat, and he was so thankful for the gourd. And then God struck the gourd. 
And Jonah is ticked. And God asks him this question. God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do. I do well to be angry even unto death. Now those were Jonah's last recorded words in the Bible. How would you like to have those? Now he did go on and God used them and got the but those are his last recorded words. Would you like that written on your marker? He was so mad that this gourd died. He's overlooking a city of 120,000 lost people. And he's so upset over this gourd. Listen, over this life of comfort and ease. Which is what we have had for years. A gourd over us. Keeping us from persecutions. Keeping us good economy. Taking your vacations. Buying what you want. Doing what you want. And all of a sudden that gourd looks a little bit... And we can get angry. That gourd. Never looked at that that way till today. I said, I'll be doggone. That gourd just kind of represents a form of comfort. We don't like persecution. We don't like toiling in the heat. We want God to comfort us. Take care of us. When we go, God goes, no. My little Christian, go to sleep. My little soldier for Christ. I like that. I love that. But the gourd is dying. Do you understand that? It's dying. That life of comfort and ease and plenty. The Christian walk hasn't cost us much at all in here, in our nation. It really hasn't. And now the gourd is being struck. But I believe it's being struck by the hand of God. I do. God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do. I do. I do. I do well to be angry even unto death. Remember, we always, always talked about the hammock and the lemonade, Christian. We just love that lifestyle. And what did you do today? Went to the lake. And God says in verse 11, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons, listen, that cannot discern between their right hand and their left. They can't discern. I've seen a rash of books being published coming out about common sense. I've seen two of them just this week. They can't discern between right and between left. And God says, no problem. 
I have those that can. But we're angry because our comfort, our lifestyle, our two-story house, our three-car garage might come in jeopardy. Find them and put them back on. Say, okay, God, I got to stay focused. I got to stay focused, Lord. Ephesians 5 8 simply tells us, For you, for you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. You were in darkness. And God gave you a pair of glasses. And now you see. He said, now walk that way. First Thessalonians 5 says, You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Because of that, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but obtained salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. God says, don't walk like you're in the dark. Don't be asleep in the day. And we have no excuse. You can't say, but God, I was just overwhelmed. I couldn't. He said, hold up. I could hold you. I held you. This is what you have to do if you don't want held by God. Leave. Go. And you don't want to do it. Because God said, I will hold you to your duty. In the storm. But you're like, God, I don't want to. have work to do. I know you have bills to pay and maybe your house is messy and you've got to clean it up. And you might be thinking, man, I've got a vacation next week. You're killing me. No. Take your vacation. I'm not saying don't. You understand. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Ruthie's going to California to see her son in a couple weeks. I'm not going to say you can't do that now. No, but when you go out there, keep your glasses on. They're all around us. What are you here for? Kind of hammering out a little message. Maybe I'll do it Sunday morning. You have these unbelievable prophets. Elijah, who took out the 800 false prophets. Elisha, who had double the anointing that Elijah had unbelievable prophets. Moses, 
all this power and throwing his rod down and splitting red seas. But who did God say was the greatest? He said, there's none greater than John the Baptist. What did he do? Well, he didn't split the Red Sea. He didn't raise anybody from the dead. He didn't have a double anointing. What did he do? He preached repentance. He saved souls. That's the greatest. 98% of the church is running after signs and powers and wonders. And, and God says, John the Baptist is the greatest. Leave the signs and the wonders up to God. Get souls. Find them. They're all around you. First, find these. They're up here at the altar. Anybody who wants a pair, you can have a pair. You can just come up and say, God, I've been focusing on myself, me, my problems, my needs, my worries, my job, my kids, my car. My house. They're here. They're all up here if you want them. Last scripture, 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven says, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Very simple. To us who have raised children, telling your son to take out the garbage, and you know, it's all over the floor, or he drags it down the steps, or you don't expect a whole lot out of him. But when he's 30 years old, and still taking the trash out like that, it, I mean, isn't that really ridiculous and silly? And God says, when you, was a, when you were a child, you acted like a child. So I see it in my grandchildren now. You know, they're, they're playing and they're, they're doing things that, that look fun. Until I look out the window and I go, and you're running out there. Because I see Luke, who's five with a real live golf club in his hand in the backyard, which is all right. Golf clubs are all right. Until I see Christian and Carter and Will with the one. And they're all within striking range of each other, going like this. No clue that Luke is right here. And he thinks this is cool. He has no concept that he just almost lost his head. Childish things. So I take off running. Now, if he's 30, I'm going to go, Bozo, you deserved hit. 
How dumb can you be? Understand, right? And so the scripture simply tells us, look, what I'm looking at, I'm not looking at children. I'm not. I was just told about your son, Chris, and Sunday uh, Junior Church. Just praising God like crazy. And he's probably six, seven, six. But even our children are older than normal children. I'm not looking at children here. You shouldn't be panicking and running about direction with no compass, with no guide. You shouldn't think, what am I going to do? What am I going to You should be feeling the hand of God holding you. And you just have, thank you, Lord, in the midst of the storm. So as Tim gets us ready for this part of the service, not to go home, there are God's glasses up here all over. You'll find them no matter where you're at. If you're just honest with God and say, you know what, God, I just really haven't been seeing real good. The newspaper can make you scared. All the reports, certainly our leaders terrify us. Their stance towards Israel. Oh, my gosh. All the money we... They're up here. Find them. Because when you pick them up, you'll see who's really in charge of all this. And you'll think, it's part of your plan, God. You'll sustain me. You'll keep me. You'll provide for me. No matter what happens, he'll hold you to your duty. And you'll be reaching out and telling others as he holds you. Let's stand.